Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Spotlight. I'm Zach Bentley, America's editor at Infrastructure Investor. With me on today's episode is Bill Green, founder and managing partner of Climate Adaptive Infrastructure. Bill founded the firm in 2019, after almost a decade at Macquarie, where he led the group's initial efforts in renewable energy. In today's episode, Bill discusses with me his view that many infrastructure investors are mispricing climate risk. I began by asking him in what ways he sees this happening. So in the triple threat, you have, of course, physical risk, but there is also policy risk and political risk. And we explain those as policy risk being things that are on the books today. The Paris Climate Accord is governing people's behavior. We have to think about it. It impacts the investments we make and the assets we own, but it is not physical. Similarly, political risk is what may happen tomorrow. Yes, it's harder to quantify because it's political, but yet we have to screen for it up front. Bill says this mispricing is widespread across the market and comes from a dated view of how the market thinks about infrastructure. I'm sorry to say, I think it is prevalent. And I think that where we've gone wrong in our thinking is that we continue to build infrastructure for a planet that no longer exists. And what I mean by that is that the way we think about design and engineering of our physical infrastructure is fundamentally based on a 1950s time frame. So this is especially problematic when it's left to bankers, part of the more pejorative use of the of term that many of us feel we are, but when it's left to bankers to think about engineering, You know, it tends to be something that ends up in an IE report and it's the addendum to your investment memo, so to speak, right? Bill brings the example of hydropower, which is suffering in certain geographies due to the effects of ongoing droughts. So you have, for example, in the Western United States, unprecedented drought conditions. How do owners and operators of hydroelectric assets think about that? When not only do they not know when it will rain again, they don't know if it will ever rain again. And therefore, the management of those physical assets, well, you can see where I'm going. So clearly, building or buying assets forward, forward looking, when you fail to take into account the underlying engineering that has gone into the construction and design of these assets is deeply problematic. Not only that, Bill also believes the conversations happening to mitigate these risks are addressing the wrong issues. I'm afraid that... The conversation around ESG, in all its myriad forms, because it's, it's not clear what anyone means today by that term precisely, but that conversation has to a certain extent caused us to take our eye off the ball. When we think about social issues, governance issues, relative to real assets, relative to infrastructure, we're sort of missing the point. In our view, you must begin with the climate crisis, with this triple threat risk. That is not to say that we or any other manager should ignore the full suite of ESG considerations. But infrastructure assets have some very unique characteristics, which is why we like them. They are long dated. They have offtake contracts. They are permanent. You can understand the competitive landscape because they don't change very often. It is precisely these characteristics that place them in so much danger in the face of the triple threat risk of the climate crisis. Because once you buy or build it, 
that's what you owe. If you are involved in a port that is below sea level, a toll road along a coastal area that isn't correctly built or buttressed, you will experience weather events or political or policy events or all three, and you can't move the asset. Bill says CAI has developed its own screening process to address these risks. We have, after decades dealing with infrastructure and ESG and reporting and climate screening, we've come to realize that only a bespoke system that really honestly and openly uh, explores these areas is relevant for infrastructure investors. So we have a system that we use that explores seven areas of triple threat risk. The investment committee conducts this investigation itself. We rely on outside experts, inside expertise, and all sorts of things. But ultimately, it is a scoring system that is utilized by the investment committee members, and it must be scored unanimously. A common misconception is that this is part of the asset management work. In fact, this is more investment management, Bill says. It is much easier to avoid the mistake than mitigate the mistake. And when we named the firm Climate Adaptive Infrastructure, until people come to know us and and really understand what we do and how we do it, there is, because of the word adaptive, some notion that it is about adaptation after the fact. Really, we use the word adaptive to indicate an adaptation of the investment method as opposed to the asset. Significant parts of the infrastructure market, Bill says, suffers from legacy investments and thought processes which complicate moving to a more climate-adaptive model. I spent a decade at one of the largest infrastructure investment shops on the planet, and I had this conversation multiple times with multiple people over the years. The challenge that all these larger managers face, in my opinion, is that they have a conflict between their ownership of legacy assets, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of LPs' money and their own that have been invested in assets that were unscreened. Now, perhaps realizing the triple threat risk and its challenges, they've begun to think about things like solar and wind and so forth. But they are inherently conflicted at the most senior levels when it comes to looking at this portfolio of historic unscreened assets. And it leads to, in my view, once again, a lack of inherent candor around the entire risk set. In addition to the extended droughts in the Western United States, Green highlights other areas in which climate risk has been ignored or overlooked. Superstorm Uri in Texas, which I think most of us will recall, saw unhardened electric generation assets simply freeze, not not operate at all because, hey man, it's Texas and we don't expect to see that kind of climate here, especially for extended periods of time. Bill also brings the example of airports to illuminate climate policy risks in infrastructure. Setting aside pandemic impacts, there is an increasing awareness of policy and political impacts around air travel. So how does one correctly manage how an airport terminal will work, how many gate fees you can collect, how many flights will come in and out, when people are now actually talking about politically regulating the amount of air travel that we can do in certain parts of the world? So Europe is, for example, ahead of us on this, but it gives you a window into how the triple threat risk is really the consideration set, because it may not be a physical risk that derails an investment. It could be a policy risk or a political risk. Bill also stresses the need for a more standardized approach across the industry 
if the infrastructure market is to avoid being trapped by the triple threat risk. Anyone who manages funds today knows that they receive random questionnaires from well-meaning LPs that say, please tell me how you do this, that, and the other thing. There is no standardization. Even one of the largest organizations, PRI, of which we are a member, withdrew its annual reporting framework saying, effectively, we have more work to do before we put you through all this. Good thinking on their part. So without some form of standardization, we are repeating mistakes of the past in which the well-meaning intention of investors, pension funds, foundations, endowments, who really are trying to get their arms around this, are making up their own rules or following one of a set of dozens, if not a hundred, varying rule sets that exist around the world. Bill also brings the analogy of the handbrake effect to highlight how those who have been slow to react in recent years will change in the face of the ongoing threats. I suspect that what we're going to see, accelerated by the Russian gas crisis and, and what's going on in Western Europe and a slew of other inputs, you're going to see increasing examples of the handbrake effect, where governments who have historically been inactive wake up one day and say, we have a real problem here, and pull the handbrake, so to speak, and we as the passengers or occupants of the car will experience that effect around regulatory frameworks changing. And by the way, it may not mean that regulatory frameworks change in the way that all climate crusaders would like. For example, people may say, well, let's restart all the nukes or let's do whatever. But the fact that this is all wrapped in the risk package of the climate crisis over time, those of us trying to navigate safely and effectively the combination of earning returns while addressing the need for low carbon impact infrastructure are going to be whiplashed through the changes over the next five years. And I think this is a risk that, that is also misunderstood and underpriced. Thank you, Bill. And that's all for today. If you want to hear more episodes, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or check us out at PEI Media's various titles online. For Infrastructure Investor, I'm Zach Bentley. Thank you for listening.